Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The suppression of the use of marijuana and of the forces lurking behind it are the most important jobs this department is now engaged in. In 1930, the records on marijuana in the Washington office, the narcotics division, scarcely filled a small folder like this. Today, they feel cabinet. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Coloradians, and everyone that's smart enough to listen from the outside. One of the most amazing plants we've ever discovered. The pot party, the trippers, the grasshoppers, the hip ones, all gathered in secret. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Stone D'Appetit with your host, as always, it's me, Kip. To my left, I got CB back from uh, the beaches of Normandy, a.k.a. Gulf Coast, Alabama. A.k.a. Redneck Riviera. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we got an epic episode for y'all today. Um, our guest joining us today is Miss Wendy Lynn. We've teased her on our Instagram about joining us on this episode, but Wendy is we're just going to say a food savant connoisseur who is a, a Southern redneck, just like us, but at the same time, she's an expat as well. She calls home kind of the trains of Europe, you know, the flights of Ryu, uh, things along those lines. It's going to be a great episode. We're going to talk with Wendy about all things food, um, wine, and then she's got a really cool new show that she's about to start taping, and we're going to ask her about that. Y'all are going to love this episode. It's got everything. It's got absolutely everything. But before we get started, I want to do, I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't give a shout out to our sponsors, the Cali's Cannabis Company. That's an alliteration, Chris, three C's. Can, uh, Cali's recently opened two new locations in the Denver metro area. They started making their bones up in the burbs of North Glen, but with their new locations on 31st and Larimer and their new location right off West 8th Avenue on West Cooster Place, they've got everything you need. We partnered up with them because I do truly believe they have some of the best flower in the market you can buy recreationally in Colorado. And of course they have all the great fixings, whether it be your oils, your tinctures, your balms. And then of course they got edibles. And the best part about it is they have a different discount every day of the week. So if you're looking for vapes and you're looking for a discount, go on Thursdays, they got 15% off. Or check out Fridays, they got Friday flower, 10% off. Epic deals, great product, Hell of a great family that's running the operation. We're proud to call ourselves partners with Callie's. Check them out. That's S-H-O-P-P-E-C-A-L-L-I-E-S.com. Or check that same name on Instagram so you can see where the, what they're working with and what the deals are. Woo! I did that without cussing. That's pretty good. That was great. Thank you. I think Charles will be proud of that one. All right. So let's, let's go ahead and introduce our guests. Wendy, how are you? Hey, honey, I didn't know that the show was called Stoned Appetite. Yeah, we have a <laughs> I should be interviewing you on how that came about, but next time. 
Stonerisms. That's the term we use. We have we have an idea board and we just throw shit up there and that one stuck. So we ran okay. with it. Love it. Yeah, yeah. But Wendy, uh, you know, we're really fired up. I gave you a little intro, but it didn't really do you justice. Um, you know, we became friends via the internet because you're posting super dank French food running around the world. And I'm like, this is the most epic account. Turns out you're a Southern gal. I'm going to call you Chickadee for the rest of the episode. <laughs> you're just one of us. That's actually the name of my Cocker Spaniel. What? Uh, you have two dogs, two. Magnum and Chickadee? Yeah. We really are best friends. <laughs> and they're French. Hey, hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, speaking of which, we usually start every episode where we ask our guests when we're in person if they're a transplant or a native. That obviously doesn't play, seeing as we both know you're not here in Colorado or a Coloradan. So give us a little backstory. Are you a Southern girl? You grew up in the Redneck Riviera as well? Yeah, I mean, my accent is uh, is different because, yeah, I'm Southern, but I don't sound like I'm from Texas and I don't sound like I'm from Charleston. Those, those people are uptown a little bit from where we're from around these parts. And the crazy thing is uh, my accent got more thick uh, once I moved to Paris 25 years ago. So even I'm home now before I take up on this crazy epic adventure I'm about to start. And my mother even said, why is it every time you come home, your accent just gets heavier and heavier? Oh, see, that's crazy. Whenever I go home, I like transition into this other person where my accent just automatically gets thicker. Like I have to... <laughs> It, or else I'm just like, oh, I don't belong here if I don't talk like this. Yeah. And I mean, you know, she's a, she's an English um, professor. And so my grammar drives her crazy. So um, it became a joke around here that I say, mama, we ain't got no, like we ain't got no milk. We ain't got no food. And it started when I was six. I was standing in front of the refrigerator door. My mother walked in and said, Wendy Lynn, what are you doing? And I said, mama, we ain't got no food. And she said, Wendy Lynn, we don't have any food. And I looked back at the refrigerator, looked back at her, and I said, that's what I said. We ain't got no food. Oh, my God. I think we have the same mom. My mom still parks <laughs> me on my grammar. Now, I get made fun of a little bit for, like, enunciating or how I say, like, five and things like that. Yeah. But whenever I misspeak, whether it be, like, my brother and I are going to the, you know, the corner store or whatever it may be, she would, if it was me and my brother are going somewhere, she's like, your brother and I. Yeah, so, I mean, it's the Southern thing. They kept us on our P's and Q's. Even when, speak, even when I speak French, it's this accent. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So are, are you from the Gulf Coast or where exactly? Oh, okay. I was born on an airplane between Atlanta and Panama City, Florida. Oh, nice. That must have been exciting. Well, I wish I'd remembered it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So you were kind of, I mean, it's almost, I don't know if this is like, poetic but being born on a plane it seems like you were meant for this jet set life that you have yeah I mean my brother is um got kids living the suburban life he just moved into a big beautiful house outside Chicago and I'm like damn it looks like Andy Griffithville I don't know what I would do with all that oh like, Mayberry. <laughs> yeah like I literally live out of a suitcase so we're just two totally different you know human beings love each other but it's just a different lifestyle so even as I pack today I'm just looking around going no I'm not packing bags well, <laughs> you, you kind of tease. Y'all do have that different life. Let's start a little bit with, you know, you grew up in the South. How the fuck did you find yourself in France for 25 exactly. years? I mean, I, I get asked this all the time and we could talk about it all day. But I mean, basically, I chose a university in Birmingham, Alabama uh, that had an internship for London 
And I wanted out of the South, I knew I wanted to go to Europe. And this was the only way I was going to get to do it. So uh, even in high school, I wasn't a cheerleader. I hung out with all the cool kids, but I just wanted, I took extra classes. I went to summer school uh, so I could get the grades to get the scholarship because this university is super expensive. So Wait, were you Samford? Yeah. Samford. Samford. And so I got the internship, went over to London. And at the very end of it, we had a weekend trip to Paris and basically I didn't come back. Like I had them, I had them FedEx my diploma. Nice. Or livid. They were what? Wait a minute. No graduation. I'm a no man. I'm in Europe, man. It's time to keep going. So caught my next train and started traveling through Europe and was trying to figure out how to extend the trip longer. And then it became a question of legal papers. And then it became a question of how am I going to make a living? So at some point I came back to get, you know, visa paperwork and et cetera. But I got a little apartment in Paris and met a baker um, called Lionel Poilin, P-O-I-L-A-N-E. He's got a famous uh, family bakery in Paris. And he was basically the only person that I knew that spoke English. And he was a huge, obviously, world-renowned baker. So he just turned me on. Just You were just talking about flour, but uh, baking and sourdough. And then uh, he introduced me to his chef friends, and they introduced me to the, their wine friends. And then eventually, I just learned French and found a life there. What what did what all did your parents say when you called them up and you were like, uh, I think I'm going to stay here? Well... I didn't exactly, I did it slowly. It was, it was, I need three more weeks. Then it was, I need six more weeks. And then I need, and the worst part was, is I was actually engaged to be married and I had a job at a big food and wine magazine waiting on me and I ditched both of them. Good so call. The parents weren't just like, what do you mean you're staying in Europe? It was no graduation, no wedding, no house, no job. Have you lost your mind? What are you doing with your life, Wendy? Yeah. And actually, it's a quite a poetic moment um, with my dad and I, because he didn't talk to me for quite a while. He was really upset with me. And he said at the time, Wendy, you are throwing your entire life away. And he told me about 10 years ago, he regretted saying that because I answered, I said, but daddy, I'm 19. I haven't even lived a life yet. That was it. There you go. And look at you now. I'm still, living, I'm still trying to live a life. I, I'm not done. I mean, and at 19 and not, you mentioned, you know, you learn French, but just going over there, that's, those take cojones that, you know, a lot of people don't have, you know, that's, you hear about these people taking like a, a leap year or whatever, and they just go live off their parents, but you were immersing yourself, not only in a country and a culture, but a lifestyle that you were like, I'm going to do this for a living. Got to do what it takes, baby. Put in the work. <laughs> yeah. So how did you like make ends meet? Were you working in the bakery and then like writing on the side? Or was it just like, holy shit, how does an American find their way like that? And frankly, yeah, like I said, everyone's got their own journey, but I equate it to one of those pinball machines where you put the quarter in and you pull the ball back and you let yourself go. It's just like hitting those levers. You just do whatever it takes not to hit the bottom. And the bottom for me was not living in Europe. So I did everything I could possibly do to keep from like hitting the bottom and going down the hole because I was afraid I wouldn't get a chance to go again. So I just made it up as I went along and I just made it work for me. Like I, knew I, I, knew, I, knew that I, I knew I wanted this life. So it wasn't a matter of finding the job to fit the life, which is where I think a lot of people go wrong. Um, 
I get a lot of people asking me, how can I find your job? It's not find your, my job. It's find your life and then make it work. Then find a job that works for it. That's the other way around. I never wanted to work. I just wanted to have a good time. So I found a way to get paid for it. That's awesome. Well, <laughs> quick question though. How, like, why, why did you choose Paris? I mean, you know, like you were in London, you said, you know, what, what was it about Paris? That's, that's a great question. I'm um, what, only one person has asked me that other than you. And I was surprised at my answer because genuinely I said, I didn't find Paris, Paris found me. It was just every, I don't know. I mean, when I look back now, even though I'm like right now for your viewers to know, I live in Paris, but I also have a place in Venice, Italy where I would go vacation. It's just a tiny little place on the water to get away from the city, but I've been there since um, the lockdown. And, you know, even though I travel and go everywhere, Paris and France is always home for me. The food I miss is there. I love trying new things like in Vietnam and all these other places I go, but it's just, I don't know. It just found me. Wendy, my heart is smiling so big because I couldn't agree more. Like that's the only place I've had the experience of like traveling and like kind of immersing yourself in like someone else's culture. And you're just like, I just fell in love with it. And so I can see how if, you know, Paris picked you, how you would want to just like wrap yourself in everything. From and your Instagram page shows it, whether it be the croissants or you know the natural wine or just the the lifestyle of being able to kind of congregate around food and beverage, and then you like you said the lifestyle and finding a job that treats you know that fits you. I don't think a lot of people know exactly what it is you do. <laughs> it all starts what I used to do. So there we go. Yeah, that's right. So you're, you're talking about the entry into Europe, and then now I'm in this new phase. But in the middle, I've actually been a, uh, I had a public relations company, and I built restaurants for people. Uh, but that doesn't mean I'm an architect. It means I took the idea out of their head, and I hired all the right people to build the restaurant for them, and then followed it through with the opening. So I've had tons of huge clients. So back in the day in Chicago, I had some Charlie Trotter restaurants I was responsible for. Also a French chef named Alain Ducasse, three Michelin starred chef. So at that time he had 17 properties I was responsible for uh, in terms of branding and messaging. And then my biggest, uh, I guess, job to date was when I brought the Michelin guide over to New York City. It was the first Michelin guide outside France in the United States. Uh, with a PR company partnership through New York. So that's what I've been doing. So in an essence, that's how I met so many journalists. That's how I met so many musicians and actresses and actors and chefs and restaurant people. And living on the road, traveling a lot, they became my family. So I say the F word a lot, but I'll, yeah. the other F word I say a lot is family. And people keep saying, but how can she have 10 brothers? How can she have 30 sisters? How can she have you know, 15 dads. So that's, you know, the other question is how do what how does she freaking know so many people? She's like Kevin Bacon or something, the six degrees of separation. Uh, and, and that's why. So that's what I used to do. Um, and so I took seven years off to just travel and to just goof off. And I thought it was going to be six months. Well, it turned into seven years of not working, blew through my savings and said, okay, I got to do something. So, um, <laughs> so that's it. So now because of COVID and the lockdown, like everyone else, I've reevaluated. And when I travel, it's kind of epic um, privately. I've never really shared all my private travels with chefs and restaurant people, especially after hours, 
it's kind of that Vegas thing, what happens on the road with Wendy Lynn stays on the road. Uh, and then my brother, who's a video editor, said, wait a minute, you're doing what when you go back to Europe? And I said, yeah, but, you know, because of lockdown, I've got to go through London and Stockholm and Copenhagen and Lisbon and Barcelona and see all of my Paris and see all the people I haven't seen in almost two years. And he said, OK, that does it. You have got to start taking a camera crew with you. So that's where this transitions to what I'm doing now. So that's going to start in with my whiteboard over there starts uh, next Thursday in Brooklyn and then goes to 10 countries. <laughs> and you did just reel them off and we're definitely going to dive into that because I'm, I'm excited to hear about it. But before we dive into the next project, I think I want to just pick your brain about some of your favorites. You know, okay. like you mentioned, you know, you traveled for seven years and, you know, this podcast, no one's going to hear it. So you can just tell me secrets. You don't have to worry about it. Sure. Um, of those travels, tell us some of the favorite countries and cities that you were able to, you know, fly under the radar and party and enjoy yourself. Some of the places that unexpectedly, like everyone thinks Bali or Thailand or, you know. I would say South Africa. Oh. Yeah, I would say South Africa, but it was, I was seeing someone very special at the time, um, but I was living in Paris. He was living there um, and his family, uh, you know, such unique, different individuals, an artist, uh, a lawyer, someone who works for the game reserves, the private game reserves, mom, who's a, a French teacher, dad, who's a decorated war vet. I mean, I was exposed to all different levels of culture down there. So um, even though we decided mutually he can't live in Europe and I can't live in South Africa, uh, that is just such a special place. I mean, and he worked for the government. So they have three cities. So we have Washington DC where everything is and they've got it in three different cities. So getting to travel with him to work, seeing all those different things, uh, going to Cape Town, going to the wine country, yeah, it was it was really special. It's so special. In fact, I won't go back ever. Like I was, you don't want another impression of the. Yeah, yeah. that but, was it. Oh man, that that is why I'm glad I asked that. Okay, so now let's now we can get back to the topic of the conversation we were having. Yeah. Uh, so you have this tentative schedule, but because of COVID, it has been chaotic. You know, we've teased the idea because we're going to try to help and we want to share the journey along because. I think a lot of people are going to try to be getting out of the, the states just because we haven't been able to do anything. And oftentimes, and we kind of were able to stock up a little bit by locking down. So let's talk a little bit about what are we, what are we doing in Brooklyn? Where are we starting? What are we going to do? For well, the whole, the, it's, it's going to grow on its own. I know a lot of people will start out. I don't even have a name yet. Uh, it's probably, it's just going to, it's going to take on a life of its own um, in the messaging, but I'm basically taking a camera crew with me as I go through these cities and I catch up with my friends. In fact, the camera guys uh, only have one directive and that is grab our meeting again. My friends and I reuniting again. It's not going to be fake. It's not going to be staged. This thing is not going to be produced. This thing is literally you just got to keep up with me because I'm not going to go back and hug my friends again. I mean, if I haven't seen them in almost two years, uh, all of their lives are different. They've got different business models. They've had to sell. They've had to reinvent. They've had to pivot. I want all of it to be caught on camera. And we're going to sit down and talk with them uh, about what changes the restaurants uh, needed to make in order to survive and what positive things came out of it. And then we're going to go uh, hit the town with them, eating and drinking and gonna like from one place in the car to the next place. I mean, and then we're gonna edit it later and see what it looks like, but 
That's where yeah. it is. So since you're going to New York first, what what are your top three spots you really just have to hit? Well, th- those are the ones we're filming, actually. So the first one is actually two places. Um, I don't know if you know the group LCD Sound System. Yes, we do. Yes. Okay. So they uh, are, are partners in a wine bar called the Four Horsemen. Okay. And Four Horsemen is a small plates natural wine bar. Uh, the guys are good friends of mine. I'm going to go interview Justin Chirno, who uh, is there uh, pretty much. And they also just opened a couple of years ago uh, a, a, a bar on the back, a nightclub called Night Moves, which I love. Uh, and you don't go back there unless they know you. They only want good people. They're not trying to be assholes. It's just really cool. Um, and so we're going to film uh, at the wine bar. Uh, ironically, Justin was in Paris with me at an after hours party uh, when he got the phone call and my phone blew up, his phone blew up, that his tiny little wine bar in Brooklyn just won a Michelin star. Like we thought it was a joke. And but they literally from day one tried to strive very hard hospitality, messaging, um, the kind of food, the kind of vibe, the kind of music, everything. So that was really cool. Um, so since Night Moves opened just prior to the pandemic, I've never even been. So this is going to be great. And then uh, another place we're going is around the corner is uh, Industry Pizza. Justin's taking me down to meet two guys uh, that are doing really cool things with sourdough and natural wine. And then in the city, we're going to a place called Ernesto's. And that's my friend Ryan uh, Bardo's place that he traveled all of Spain to come up with like a Spanish Basque concept. Uh, And he's just in the Lower East Side. And his sommelier, by the way, is my friend Pierre that we brought over from the clown bar in Paris. So when I say family, it really is family. Wow. That's nuts. Okay. Now You're you- like the female Tony. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't put that lightly, but you are very much like Bourdain. Like it is like you go to these cities and you like, you find your friends and y'all go eat like, you know, genuine cuisines and just like reminisce. And now you're going to capture it. I'm curious. Yeah, the, the thing is, is that ca- what I want to capture is the is just the authenticity of it. That's why I keep saying my camera guys, you do my director, you do whatever you want to do, but um, none of this is going to be staged. Uh, so you know, it's just being with these people, like and talking with them, and it's exactly what we would be talking about, even if there weren't cameras. That's that's awesome. That's the way to do it. Are you hiring? Because I know a podcast won't <laughs> be on the road for a little. I actually do need a uh, PA in Lisbon, but that's down the road. <laughs> we'll talk after this. We'll talk. Okay, so I didn't mean to railroad the conversation, but that I mean that just sounds like just New York sounds fucking amazing. Right? Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned like you mentioned the Michelin star. And then you had mentioned earlier, sorry to backtrack, but you mentioned you helped bring the Michelin Guide over to the U.S. How, just, just give me a real quick rundown on how that happened, because it was strictly mainly just in France, right? Yeah, it's, um, the thing is, is that that was 2005, but that would have been, so the book would have dropped 2006. Um, that's the year, the first official year. I was literally in Paris and a girlfriend of mine called me from a restaurant in Manhattan where all the media people meet. And she was having kind of a off the, um, off the uh, record conversation with someone who owned a public relations agency 
that said, look, we have this deal that just is about to drop in our lap. The, the non-disclosure on this is like the number of zeros. If we break this non-disclosure is huge. Uh, I don't know how to, I don't know anybody who um, know, speaks English, knows the States, knows France, knows all the chefs and restaurant people. And my friend just helped them put her hand up, literally said, stop talking, picked up the phone, called me, said, pack your bags. You're coming to New York to do the secret project. So we had to pull it off without anybody knowing for a year. So I lived in New York between New York and Paris with, you know, basically the Michelin family uh, trying to get this project launched. And that was March of 2005, I believe. Yeah. And then from there, it's just snowballed. Yeah. I can't wait to eat with you. <laughs> I am just so tickled. This is just a fantastic. This you know, but what's interesting to me too, maybe to your readers is that, you know, when people ask me where to eat in Paris, the first thing they say is nothing fancy. And I'm a little bit ashamed and embarrassed that, you know, French food has become so damn snobby. Uh, because just in case in point, what I just told you, the, I'm in Paris with one of the owners of the partners of the Four Horsemen, who is a small plates natural wine bar. That is literally the new Michelin, if that's what you want to call it. I mean, you know, LCD sound system, you know, they're banging out bottles of natural wine, small plates. So that's to me is what, what the food is about now. And that's really kind of why I left the PR restaurant world because I got more excited as a journalist, actually, I got more excited about people like you starting up and doing your first new venture. And with some experience, I was happy to help them. I mean, they didn't ask me to help them. I kind of threw my, <laughs> threw myself in the ring there, but uh, I kind of adopted a lot of people that didn't ask to be adopted, but, you know, just made the family bigger. So that's kind of the new, new. And these are the kinds of places that I'll be visiting in this journey, not because I purposely set out to do that but that's just the way we're eating and drinking now i love it and you know i feel like the snootiness is it's kind of come across the the borders as well like and we're starting to see this upscale finer dining is associated with a natural wine but at the same time like i think elevating just casual foods or casual like snails you know or just like they've elevated what would otherwise be run down, you know, like the bread game over there is fantastic. Like it's just everything that is exceptional about it. So I would take offense if someone said it's snobby because you can just like shop at a corner store and get coffee there. And it's the most delightful experience of the day. Like it's fantastic. And well, uh, I just, I just did a post on, because I got so many, I got almost 800 messages um, just last week in, in my DMs asking uh, we don't have time to go through all of your great pages on your Instagram. I'm like, well, thanks. I mean, I time to photograph, right? You don't have time to go through my feed. I mean, but I get it. It's overwhelming. So I just, my last post, which I'm going to leave there for about a week to make sure people see it, but it got a thousand likes and like, I mean, like instantaneously, because I just said, look, people, this is my criteria of where I eat. If you want to know where you want to eat, you're, you're the only one that knows that. How can I give you top three if I don't know you? And I don't want you to come to Paris and have a terrible time. So my criteria is sourdough and natural wine. So even if you're not a drinker um, and you're one of those people that get irritated when you hear what I'm calling the N-word, the natural word in the wine world, um, <laughs> What? You scared Why are you We didn't know what you were going to say. <laughs> it was coming out and then I got to push it back. So let me back up so you can edit it. Is that okay? Can you edit this? <laughs> that, was so, that was so funny. 
Yeah, so I mean, natural wine and sourdough, continue on. Okay, so my criteria to find uh, a good place to eat is sourdough and natural wine. So even if you're not a drinker or if the natural word is irritating, um, the thing is, is that when you have people who are making their own sourdough for the restaurant, if they are trying to find small producers, such as like if you were making wine, your first and last name's on the bottle, um, you are not about to pull food out of the freezer. You're not gonna serve food out of season. It doesn't always work the other way around. So uh, even if that's my criteria, even if I'm dropping into a city I've never been, which doesn't happen often, but the first thing I do is pick up my Instagram and start looking for sourdough and natural wine in these places. And then all of a sudden I'm eating in like the places you want to go to. And people are like, how do you do that? How do you, it's that sourdough and natural wine, man. Easy. But hold on, but, but what <laughs> is it, that criteria? What is That's it with great. the sourdough tag? Why does that lead you? Have to you, honey, hello, lockdown, everyone was trying to make sourdough. How many people out there actually made a loaf? Like just getting the starter to do it? Right. I mean, it took me 16 times when I was locked down and I just I got to give the fuck up. So if a restaurant, a small restaurant uh, that would just save them time and money uh, to just get a local baker to deliver, which is basically what happens in most places in Paris. A lot of people just use the local bakery because the, the bakers just deliver it like on the hour, every hour um, or for each meal service. So if they're taking the time to make sourdough and bake and let it prove, excuse me, let it prove and then let it bake. I mean, what do you think they're doing with their food? Of course That's they are. Point. That's a good point. And if you um, see a dirty bathroom, leave. Because dirty bathroom, dirty kitchen. That's very true. That's very true. Um, but hold on. So, okay. So I got you on the sourdough thing. I understand that. Where did you fall in love with this natural wine scene? Or what, what about that brought you into that kind of new and kind of forefront? It's interesting you say the word scene because that's the way we've always been drinking wine. <laughs> it's just the other assholes who decided to dump chemicals in it and for the last 50, 60 years and call it, they, they should be calling it industrial so we can stop saying the word natural. I mean, really, someone legally make them put the ingredients on the bottle and there won't be enough room, right? So it's not 100%. I'm being extreme, but because um, there's a lot of well-made wines that do need some intervention, but uh, it just, I was drinking it in Paris before it was a scene. I was, I was, I mean, I'm not joking. We were literally confused for a little while in Paris uh, back in 1989 because we were like, why are people calling it natural? That's weird. It's just wine. So, so, so for our listeners, just kind of say like, what, what classifies a wine as a natural wine? It doesn't. And that's frustrating because the wine world already has enough snobbism in it just like french food unfortunately has that connotation to it but to me wine is just something beautiful you share with friends um but i just i don't like shit chemicals in my food so i just don't want it in my wine that's just me it's just a philosophy so these are the people i've been hanging out with that all of a sudden now i say i'm with you know sebastian uh Rifo in the loire valley and the, the, their jaws drop open because apparently this guy's a rock star and i'm like sebastian have you seen him? He's like a big old bear. He's like, you know, plowing the vines, plowing the field with his horse. I mean, like, why is he a rock star? But it's because he chooses to do very little between 
plowing that soil, no chemicals on the grapes, crushes it or leaves them whole cluster, puts it in a bottle and you drink it. I mean, why is there, we don't even understand the word wine making because the raisins do all work. When someone says they're the wine maker, I don't understand that. So it's just, it's just someone who takes time with things just like the sourdough. So um, I, I like seeing a bottle with someone's first and last name on it. I like knowing that you're out there with your hands in the dirt versus uh, a big factory with tours and tasting groups coming through trying to sell tons of bottles. I like the personalization of it. Yeah, that's crazy. Cause I mean, it is like catching on with like higher frequency and intensity here in the U S like you're getting, I feel like a lot of those natural wine producers are being recognized, yeah. um, but they, it's still they're, like, they're, it's just, they're heroes. Yeah. They're there's, heroes almost like a section, there's almost like a section at wine shops that, that say natural wines. Yeah. All that is true. Every bit of it. I mean, I even saw, uh, where was that last year? I don't want to say the name on air, but it's a, it's a chain of grocery stores and they had uh, literally a box of wine that said orange. Like they're trying to cash in on what orange wine is. So the you know, I'm not going to say on loud. I'm not going to say on air. That's not fair to them. <laughs> um, but anyway, you know, so I know you were in New Orleans. That's the only reason I said that. So I was thinking, I was like, time out. There's only two. No, no it's a, it's a national, it's a national. Uh, but the thing is, so it's just people that take time with to slow down and do things well. I mean, you know, you tell me, is there like an industrial cannabis industry or are there small producers doing something well? And not, I mean, I don't even know how that works. And, you know, I think when you say it like that and you look at that parallel, that's exactly like why we partnered with our, our sponsor. Cali's is a family run organization. They grow all their own doja. They have their own grow. It's not that mass produced stuff where it's automatically getting shoved into a jar and you look at it and it's already like wilted weeds. So that's a really great analogy because you're exactly right. Like when you look for weed, most of the best, I guess the best growers are the ones that you buy directly from them. You don't actually buy it from a dispensary, but we can't really discuss that either. I want those names away. (laughs) But that is black market cannabis is kind of that theory is kind of got that stigma of the natural term of wine. So that's a great way to look at it. I literally do not walk around. I do not sit down and say, Oh, sourdough or Oh, natural wine. I mean, we're talking about it right now is educational, which is kind of boring. I just like get it out of the way. You got, if you're, if that's what you're doing, let's sit down and eat, drink and have a good time. It's not something we discuss or go on and on about because then it makes you sound like an asshole, but it's just, we just have a good time. So people want to know how in the hell I know all these wonderful people. That's the whole point. It's people that are growing uh, fermenting basically it's fermentation yeah cheese aged cheese fermented wine fermented uh, beer fermented you know dough it's great I can't wait to hang out with you in person this would be so much fun but you know you mentioned like if those are your criteria for finding a restaurant we would probably be fairly limited here in Denver and we're kind of at San Francisco probably would be a little bit friendlier because the San Francisco sourdough yeah. but at the same time like the bread game is coming along in Colorado as well. The elevation's a little bit fickle. But at the same time, we have some guys that are doing like Kelly Whitaker, who's growing his own grains and then create going from mill all the way to his piotta bread and his sourdough. And that stuff is some of the best in the state. So I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to some folks, you know, here in Denver. So when you do come visit, 
We'll I want to shout out uh, who are those great guys over in? Do you call it Reno or Rhino? The neighborhood? How do you Rhino? Rhino. They're on the corner. Is it um, Noble Riot? Yeah, I love those guys. Troy and the team over there. They have fantastic yeah. selection, and they do have a. They are one of the better. Uh, I guess we'll use the term natural wine providers here in the Denver bar scene for sure. Yeah, in fact, when I was there, the guy um, forgot who he was behind the bar, but he, one of the owners, and he was on his way to Venice, Italy. And of course, I've got a second place there. Troy. Yeah, it was Troy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I gave him a list right then and there of where to go in Venice. And he said, how did you do that so fast? And I said, that's, that's, that's where all the natural bottles are. They're so, so fantastic. That's a even if, even if it, so, and it and it's and it's not fair because there are some great restaurants, especially there in Denver, that don't subscribe to the natural, you know, theory. They've got great, they've got great food, and they've got a, a wine list that works for them and their clients. But when I'm flying into a place and I only have forty eight hours, I can't, you know, go everywhere as much as I'd love to. I got to start. I have to have a starting point. So. What's your restaurant in Denver the last time that you, I mean, obviously, you know, Chris works with Bobby and I know that you know Bobby as well, but all bias aside, what's your banger restaurant in Denver for those that are trying to hunt on your spectrum? Well, I was there, see again, it was before COVID and I don't think it's uh, uh, um, open anymore. Is Morin still open? M-O-R-I-N. Max, they just, they switched it over. It's, they still own the location and he's going to make it more of a steakhouse instead of a French style restaurant. Okay. Well, it wasn't that I liked that it was French. I loved the, the husband and wife team there. Uh, total badasses, total what I call F-P-O-V. Am I allowed to say the F word? You can say whatever you want. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I'll back up again. So I love Moran because of the husband and wife food and beverage uh, couple. Oh, McLean and... Yeah. Oh, I love those... Yeah. Shout out, shout out to them because I know they're going to hear this. Um, but they've been with me in Europe. And wh what do you think we do? Eat and drink and all these places. But I loved their, when they were there, I loved they had a, what I call an FPOV, a fucking point of view. Just total, just badasses and spirited and sassy and cool. And I love the vibe. So even when you said a French restaurant, uh, chef definitely is French, but I never felt like I was in a, like I said, I never felt like I was in a snobby French place. Beautiful design, you know, great natural light. This is the restaurant designer me coming out, but um, it was just a great, they had just had a great beverage program and, you know, chef was like throwing caviar on anything fried and I was just lo loving it. So that's the Southern French in me coming out. I don't okay. agree more. I love those two. Mary Allison and McLean are great. And then they also had the raw oysters with Ben Wolven and that bar right there. So you can mm -hmm. just sit there. They had a killer happy hour. Man, I miss that place. I do too. I do too. Uh, their happy hour, you could get like $4 martini. You can get Vespers and like a six oysters for like 10 bucks. You can sneak in there after work. Oh, fuck. That was a great <laughs> call. And I love those two. Um, I think they've got some other stuff in the works coming up, I think, uh, Mary Allison and McLean. I saw they launched a new uh, company. I want to give them a shout out. I can't remember what it is. So I'll find um, them. Um, it's, Mary, it's Mary Wright. And she's on Instagram as Eat, Drink, Be Mary, M-A-R-Y, and McLean. Yeah. And they actually, I feel like they just launched a, um, something else. I can't remember what it was. They obviously do the big door prize. They do this. They do the Southern meet and three deal. And then we would be remiss if we didn't give another shot to our boy, Benny Bloom. I saw him last night 
but he also does the the pop-ups with Mary Allison and McLean when they do those here. Where did you see Benny? Uh, Benny last night was playing a little New Orleans uh, trio set over at the Meadowlark Bar. Okay. Did you say I, hi? Yeah, of course. Someone gave him a big old hug. Told him I was actually talking to you today, in fact. And he said? He said, oh, and then kept on keeping on. You know, he was in prime Benny mode. He was having a big yeah. time. So there, there you go again, how my cro the crossover goes between musicians and wine and food and travel, because uh, if you're... Uh, listeners don't already know Benny. He's um, a part of a group called Lettuce, as in like salad lettuce, but Lettuce Funk. They, they play all over Europe. Uh, I actually saw them in a club in Paris, but didn't know anything about them. And then I was sitting at that bar, Morin, uh, and I guess I was there and I left and Benny came in after me and I made a post and he like grabbed Mary and said, what the fuck? Paris is my kitchen was here. And she said, yeah, she just left. He said, I don't fucking believe it. So we got to be friends um, because he's a natural wine uh, importer and distributor, but he's also a musician, uh, but he also plays in Europe. And this summer, um, if, if your listeners can get over there, September the 3rd through the 5th, there's a huge natural wine fair on the beach with all these cool rock star humble people actually coming over, winemakers coming. Benny's playing on stage and I joked about, can I play the cowbell behind him? And he said, uh, yeah, I'm Benny and you can be a jet. So I thought it was funny. Nice. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's why people say, how do you know Benny? I'm like, uh, we've actually never met. <laughs> he is an absolute hoot. And uh, I'd be, I feel like we should give their natural wine. It's called Benny and Zoid. And you can get it at Proof um, Wine, uh, Proof, packaging down in Lair or on Larimer in like 36 or Walnut in 36. So you can get Benny and Zoid here in Denver and they're actually coming on the podcast in like two weeks after you. Um, okay. So Give we'll be talking. For me. I will. We'll be doing, we'll talk natural wine and New Orleans funk. So yeah. Sure and, and talk to them about the wine of it in Spain. I'm sure they're going to want people to come, come over. It's going to be great. When you invited me, my, I was just so elated. And then I have this other event that's also in Spain, or this one's in Spain, a month later that, so I was like, can I juggle? Can I go there for a month? Like, could I pull it off? Can I pull a Wendy? Um, but it would have been nuts. It would have yeah. been nuts if it was. So I don't know if we'll be able to make the natural wine event, but I think, you know, some of our listeners, before we dive into the next set of questions, let's, we've talked a little bit about, obviously, Paris and then the Brooklyn. What are, what are some of the most, you know, you mentioned Copenhagen and Stockholm. That's yeah. sort of an interesting place for natural wine to kind of be birthing and showing up. Are these more restaurant visits of friends of yours from the family? What do you think? A combination? All of them, yeah, exactly. You, know, about, you and I were talking about Icelandic natural wine not two weeks ago. Oh, well, no, this is this is hilarious. So just for, just for your listeners to know, this trip was not even in my realm of... Well, let me take that back. The trip was always going back to Europe to go see my friends. I didn't always take any camera crew, uh, but we're jokingly calling it green lighting because of the COVID travel restrictions. It's like, how are you getting home? Which country do you go to next? Well, it depends on who opens up their borders. If they're green, I go. Right. Uh, so three weeks ago, uh, I Googled something I never thought I'd Google, which was <laughs> Iceland and natural wines because I thought I was going to have to go to Iceland and quarantine for 10 days before I could go into uh, London. And there you go. Case in point, I found really cool 
have some really, really cool places uh, there. So now the whole trajectory has changed 15 times. So anybody who thinks they want to do this, you better have a whole lot of patience because uh, restructuring visits and camera crews with, you know, restaurants and people who put their calendars on hold for me, which meant the world and then having to cancel because we weren't allowed into the country or et cetera. So last week, it uh, three weeks ago, it was Brooklyn, Iceland, London, Copenhagen, blah, 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 blah. Berlin in there. Now the trajectory, if it stays the same, which we'll find out when I touch base with you guys, you're not going to know. I'm going to tell you which country I'm going to. Let's see if that's where I end up. But next week we're in Brooklyn. Then we hit Copenhagen, Stockholm, Paris, Croatia, Venice, Italy, Barcelona, Lisbon, and then down to the wine festival by the end of August. Yeah, that's it. First of September. Uh, but Copenhagen is probably back to what you said, natural wine being a scene. I think Copenhagen is the one that brought a global attention to natural wine. A lot of the places there really did stop. I don't know if they stopped actually. That's interesting. I met Copenhagen in its stage of small plates and natural wine. I never knew it before, but that was definitely 10, 12 years ago where that started happening. So everyone knows Renee Redzepi at restaurant Noma um, uh, put them, put, put that kind of cuisine on the map. Uh, but, you know, there's lots of people, there are other people who are doing other great things and he'd be the first to tell you that. Um, so I'm there visiting uh, him and some other people, but what's going on camera is actually, believe it or not, sourdough. <laughs> Can't believe how all this is tying together. Um, it's a guy named Richard Hart. Uh, he's from London and he says, fucking delicious. Oh, it's fucking amazing. My, oh, it's fucking delicious every two seconds. Uh, but he's British, obviously, but he got his start with the famous Tartine Bakery, uh, out in California. And he visited Copenhagen, met Renee at Noma, and they started talking about flour and grains and they were having issues or challenges there in Denmark and getting good for the restaurants. So, Renee asked, I believe that's how the story goes. Renee asked um, uh, Rich, I call him Rich, uh, Rich to do the bread for the restaurant. And he was like, um, I think like, well, I'd need a bakery. And Renee was like, that's no problem. <laughs> and next thing you know, Rich and his family were living in uh, Copenhagen. And so I met Rich then and he was like, what the fuck is all this fucking bullshit about natural wine, blah, 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 blah. So I took him to a natural wine bar and I said, I have one word for you that you'll understand as a baker, the F word, fermentation. That got his attention. So when I arrive in a couple of weeks, he will have just opened a, he's got his first bakery there, which is like rock star, amazing, popular, but he's so down to earth and he's opening a natural wine bar, cocktail bar, bakery, second location. So we're going there and I'm going to spend the day with him. He's picking me up and his box bike at 4 a.m. We're going to make some bread. Then we're going to go around town drinking. Then we're going to go back and make some more bread and then eat. God damn it. So, so when you're filming. That's just one. This, That's just one in Copenhagen. So. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So when you're filming all this, how do you plan to like release these videos and things? It's a great question. Uh, we're, well, there's two. There's, there's one thought process. One is that my brother, who's a video editor for a major major online streaming platform uh, is going to help me edit them the entire European series into a seven or eight minute teaser to sell as a pilot. 
I feel very strongly that the restaurant industry is underserved in TV right now because what most people see on TV is not our real lives. So I decided that this green lighting series that that I um, didn't know I was doing two months ago uh, is going to be a show about us. It's going to be a show for us and it's going to be told by us. So that's part of what's happening there. And then the second part is we're going to do, my camera crews are going to do kind of behind the scenes footage and we're going to edit shorter versions. I mean, short in the moment versions right there on probably just Instagram to start because we just don't have any time. So, I mean, right now I just, I've got- That's what we're here to help. Thank you. Well, just in, just, in, just in Copenhagen, we've got five visits and I don't know how we're going to do it in 10 days. Uh, we've rented, I've got a friend with a boat, so that's going to make things quicker um, to get around. Uh, that'll be fun by boat, right? Yeah. I think, I mean, <laughs> these little episodes up by country on YouTube and such for the first season and it's going to catch whirlwind, you know, and we're going to share the shit out of it. But the best part is we're going to kind of do a tentatively schedule where we're going to touch base with you every week. When you're rolling out, this is a collab we're going to do. We're going to jump on IG Live. We're going to add it to our YouTube pages. We're going to put it on our website as a new feature. Um, and we're going to just touch base with Wendy. You know, we're, we don't have, we're, like you mentioned, your name is coming along. Uh, we kind of, we, you and I have been stewing on ideas for names. And maybe we can get some help from the crowd from listening to this episode of what we can call it. But like jet setting with Wendy, we just want to, you know, get a review after you're like tired and tuckered out waiting on your flight before you go, we're going to jump on IG live and post it around the world. Let everyone know about it. Well, and, part, and part of it too, the educational part for people is that, you know, they want to know exactly what I want to know. How the hell am I getting in the country now that we can travel again? Do I need a COVID test? Do I need a vaccine passport? Uh, how are the restaurants doing? Uh, what's open. So I kind of, you know, if your if your listeners have questions specific to wherever I am, I'm happy to take them. So I think you and I decided we would wait until I'm in the city for a while so I can take a temperature and get the vibe of things so I can give a really proper report of the field trip. And that's why we'll do it on like Instagram live. We'll set out reminders like, Hey y'all, we're touching base with Wendy tonight at 5 PM, which at the same time, it could be like whatever time you are. Well, honey, I'm not sleeping for the next three months. So I know. The time <laughs> schedule is going to be so wonky. It may be 9 AM. I'm just, we're jumping on a call. Just I, may be, I may be in a nightclub with like three chefs at four in the morning. So, you know, that's just, awesome. just fair, just fair warning. <laughs> that's totally cool. And yeah, people will be able to engage with you there and ask you questions. And then, um, before we get into the next segment, give a quick reminder, how can people reach out and follow your page and all of those things? Obviously, they've seen it on our page, but Insta Insta my Instagram handle is Paris is my kitchen, uh, which sounds kind of funny now that I'm traveling the world so much. But um, uh, everyone assumes that I'm a, a, a decent cook and I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I mean, my favorite thing to make for dinner is reservations. Like same way. It's like I go out six days a week. Yeah. I need a nice tequila cocktail or a bottle of wine and yeah. someone else to do the good work. Yeah, exactly. So um, Paris really is my kitchen, but now the world is my kitchen, but that's silly. But so it's, it was never meant to be a handle. It was never meant to get likes or followers. It was just a place for me to share the places I really love. It just, it's in my, it's just what I do. It's just me. 
Yeah. Um, I'm a Southerner. I like making the family bigger. Uh, and, you know, I love getting texts and Instagram messages from people I don't even know sitting in a place that they would have never known about before. So I always joke around with my, my, um, my readers, I guess, on Instagram, my followers to say, you know, pictures or it didn't happen. So I'm glad I did because now people are sending me pictures where they are saying, thanks so much. We would have never found this place without you or um, this, the, the, the owner just came by and said, who are you talking to? Oh, Wendy Lynn. Oh my God. Tell her we said hi. And then there's a video that comes and it's spontaneous and fun like my life. But uh, yeah, you can follow me at Paris is my kitchen and I'll find a way to uh, put highlights on there with each um, city that I'm going to. So I can put the, the stories in there and save them for people. I love it. I love it. And you know, you mentioned, you just kind of said something that I thought was cheeky and clever and maybe you can do with this as you please but Pixar didn't happen is a great <laughs> great saying and if you wanted to use that for some sort of the show that's a great idea because it's got a little second connotation that's witty and chummy but at the same time you are you're going to be doing more than just food tours or restaurant tours you're talking and getting to know the you know like showing the other side of the chef you know like something Tony was doing very well was showing you know, the inside of homes and countries like Congo and like places like Hanoi, like places you would never see. And so oh, you're, you're setting the bar really high there for me, buddy. Uh, but you, <laughs> you know, like, I feel like you have the experience and the family to kind of help you built a nest. And so I, I think that this show is going to take off and do very well. And so well, I'm, I'm honored, you know, look, if it doesn't go anywhere, I'm going to have the time of my life and see my friends and hopefully introduce you guys to people that may end up being part of your family circle one day. That's what really is what it comes down to. I'm not trying to be something I'm not. Uh, and that's part of you know, the value I hope that people get from this is that I actually do have an authentic relationship with people that, that, you know, I miss them and I love them. They're not, I, you know, I say rock star too much, but I only mean it because I mean like a rocking attitude and a rocking, rocking vibe. Um, but yeah, that, that's what I want people to take away from. So it's more than just saying, oh, I went to this place and saw this chef or this sommelier open this bottle of wine, when you actually can sit down and talk with people, all you have to do is ask a question and listen. And you, it's, you'd be surprised what you would learn from people. Um, and that's why I keep going back to the restaurant industry family that I have. We don't see anything on TV for us. Like what we see on TV is, is I mean, great for those shows and great for viewers who love to follow along. And, you know, everyone's got their own thing. But I mean, you know, it's, it's just not our, it's not reality. It's not, that's why this being unscripted and spontaneous is going to make my camera crews uh, have a challenging time at some points to keep up. But I mean, that's what, that's what it's, that's what it's about is the authenticity of just being with people that I love and know. And I'm humbled that not a single person has said no. In fact, in Stockholm, I'm in huge trouble because my. No one said no. Well, no, it's not that. I just, I forgot a part of it is that in every city, uh, one of my friends is going to act kind of like as my co-host. Nobody wants to hear me talk all the time and see my silly face all the time. So the, the more sidekicks I can have, the be better. But my sidekick in Stockholm, his name is Marcus, and he has an amazing all-day cafe called uh, Savant Bar. Uh, but it, it starts out with like amazing coffee in the morning, and then it turns into natural wine bar through the day until late at night. Uh, I forgot to give him some direction on 
how many people we can actually film in 10 days. And just for example, Copenhagen, I started to say earlier, I don't know how we're going to do five episodes in 10 days. And he texted me this morning uh, from Stockholm and said, yay, 15 people have said yes. And we're in Stockholm for a week. So obviously, like I told you, I won't be sleeping. So, um, but it's going to kind of be, you know, I think the con- the concept there is we're going to start at his place in the morning drinking coffee. Uh, and then when it's time to start drinking wine, we're going to hit up all these places and do like a, what do you call it? Like a rolling uh, progressive visit. So we're going to go to the next place and going to pick up that guy, throw him in a van, and then we're going to go to the next place. So by the end of the night, uh, we're going to be about 20 people that have been to they're, they're, you know, picking up the people as we go along. And there's a boat on the river with lifeboats. And I heard we're supposed to get like, stoner sandwiches at like three in the morning and magnums of wine and climbing this lifeboat and watch the sun come up over Stockholm. So sounds like there's going to be some great outtakes. Yeah. <laughs> the editing process well, that actually, your that, brother to do that because it's going yeah. to be very, it's, it's going to be a dubious process. Okay. I actually think that might end up being the show to be honest. Yeah. Um, so real quick, if there were three things you could take over to a guest Food-wise from the South, what would you be taking? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, you know, what's interesting is people are asking me to bring things. Um, some, and Like in Italy, they want me to bring vanilla and brown sugar. Okay. In Paris, they want me to bring black beans. Hmm. Is and it shortages corn, or is it weird? And cornmeal, and cornmeal. No, because we don't have, we don't have these things. Um, but what I personally am taking, oh, uh, someone else in, uh, uh, someone else in Venice, she has a great uh, wine bar. She's from Montreal. She wants me to bring peanut butter. So it's random. What I can't live without, I don't know, man, I, if I could take fried chicken and caviar with me everywhere I go and a bottle of rye whiskey. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. You want to, you want to suck, you want to suck up, bring me a bottle of Give me a shot of rye whiskey, shot of caviar, big mouthful of fried chicken. I'm good. I was thinking you would maybe introduce them to pimento cheese or something. Uh, yeah, I do miss that. Boudin? <laughs> yeah, well, we've got, we've got we've got boudin in France, but it's different. You're right. That is yeah. true. If I if I could, you know, because I'm always worried about what's going in luggage, but if, you know, if that weren't the issue, uh, take. I would probably take Boudin from Donald Link's restaurant in Cochon restaurant in New Orleans because his his cousin Bubba, you can't make that up, smokes the Boudin and the smoker that he found on the side of the road that was a steam engine. Anyway, don't get me started. Cochon is fantastic. Oh, man. Probably take Gulf oysters because most of the countries that I'm going to are serving oysters that come from cold water. They've never tasted warm water oysters before. Um, and I would probably take bacon. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. That's a hell of a meal. Um, I love it. That's a great question. Now, you mentioned something that kind of piqued my interest. You mentioned luggage. How light do you, would you usually go if you weren't taking like camera crew and shit? Are you, are you a backpack girl or are you going like, are you pressing limits? Oh no, I sent my my accent is backpack, but my whole style is well. <laughs> I wouldn't say princess. That's not that's not necessarily true. No. Multiple fifty pound um, bags. 
No, I'm not a backpack person, but I'm not a no Louis Vuitton, you know, fancy. No, because that shit gets scraped up. Um, uh, I think I, I have the same suitcase I've had for about 15 years. Because why would you get a new bag? It's just going to fuck shit after, you know, two minutes. Do you want to um, give a plug to that person who has a 15-year-old sturdy bag? Uh, it's Low and Sons. Okay. Nice. It's, a great, it's a great travel bag. Uh, it's amazing. That's what um, I reach out to about sponsoring me for this <laughs> Month and a half trip I do with you and I Jim. love my Low and Sons bag. I, t- I tell you what, next time I touch base with you, I'll try to have it with me. Um, but it goes it goes over my shoulder and it's got a bottom that zips out where shoes go in. Um, but this trip is going to be rough for me because I actually have to check a bag. Um, I'm not checking my camera gear. So my camera crews are they have their own equipment, but I have my own set of um, labs, LABS, but that's microphones and a receiver. I've got two iPhones. I've got two tripod two tripods um oh and i've got a gimbal a dj dji osmo 4 which i have yet to figure out how to work that fucker i mean i don't either i don't know how to do it either we have it's staying in the box until i get to new york and my camera guy there says the learning curve on that thing is huge he's gonna show me how to use it so um that goes in one like that could go in a backpack um and that that i have to carry with me and then um you know, I've got to take liquids and medicines and toiletries and things I stocked up here that, you know, they don't have in Europe. So I'm not dealing with all that bullshit. So I'm just going to check it this time. So when I, by the time, so the trip is going, hopefully Brooklyn, stop, excuse me, Brooklyn, Copenhagen, Stockholm. In the middle, I'm going seaweed harvesting. I'm doing a seaweed safari. Don't even get me started. I have no idea. We'll talk weed. We'll talk weed that week. Um, like... Apparently going on a natural wine seaweed party. Um, and but, uh, I'm going on a, in between Copenhagen and Stockholm, I'm doing a seaweed natural wine safari with a guy who has an orchard and he picks fruit and makes uh, naturally bubbly wine with it. And he also has bees. So he's super hippie and I love him. So that's in between Stockholm. And then I go to Paris where I can finally drop some stuff off at my apartment. And then uh, I can travel regularly. I'll have my, um, not backpack, but backpack for my gear. And then I'll have my low and sun's bag. And that's it. I, tra- I travel with three outfits and every place I go has to have a washing machine. Okay. So I can just wash things over and over again. It works out well for editing because then I'm not constantly wearing different clothes in one video. Um, I'm going to get sick of things, but really there's other things to worry about than what I'm wearing. <laughs> Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great. So are you an Airbnb or a hotel kind of gal? I try not play with to, your friends. No, I try not to use um, companies that take over a city and create a housing problem for other people. So right now in Venice, it's a huge problem because a lot of people left Venice because it became overly touristed with cruise ship people. And it became this little mini, I don't know, museum. So like people left Venetians left, but then they started renting their apartments on platforms like that. And just to find an apartment to live is really hard. So I kind of have a problem with that. And secondly, come on people like weird things. I found hidden cameras in an Airbnb once. Um, On Instagram the other day and got creepy answers about it. We mm-hmm. had like 150 like nightmare stories. It made me almost want to like get a, 
a Hyatt Regency card. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I like where your head's at of supporting, you know, we, we try to do that premise here in Denver of supporting local and businesses and things of that nature as best as we can. So doing it on that, the scale of you're always on the road, that's a noble cause as well. Yeah, I mean, look, sometimes I have to do it uh, just because sometimes I need like a major badass kitchen if, a, if we're shooting an episode with, you know, chef friends coming over. So um, the one that I'm most excited about uh, is in Copenhagen. It's on a canal. It's called Canal with a K, Canal Houset. Uh, it's a hotel, but they have an entire top floor that's an apartment. And it's like literally an industrial kitchen. And they have a table for a farmhouse table for 10 people. So all the windows open onto the canal and there's wooden schooner sailing ships that they still use like from the turn of the century to go out and fish and they bring things in. So it's super scenic. So in terms of that, I'm okay with that because it's not on that platform. It belongs to the hotel. Right. So sometimes locations like that I need because I, obviously I'm throwing a rager rap party at my place once we finish <laughs> shooting in Copenhagen. Everyone's coming over to my place where we can literally raise the roof. Um, and cook and shoot the episode there but uh, I try I try to not stay with friends so they've got their privacy nobody wants a tornado like me staying in their house getting up at all hours making phone calls Um, so I do my best I try to be responsible traveler and I try to stay in places that are good for the environment there you go I like where you're but we like we have two a couple questions we like to ask all of our guests and we wanted to ask you these questions because I feel like it's going to be a loaded answer um, they're going to be pretty exotic, but I think you'll do pretty well in this. this is that the bar too high for me, buddy? Nah, <laughs> not really. So this is the stolen appetit question of the week. I'll do that. You do last supper. Okay. So let's say that you had a long night recording, working, your feet are tired. You just get back or you're about to go back to the house. What is that late night stoned appetit snack you need? Maybe after a couple bottles of wine that you eat just before you pass out. God, I got to have a BLT. Hell yeah. That's not a bad call. With, with potato chips inside of it. Oh. And not thin potato chips, like the hand cut, thick, crunchy ones. But look, if I'm about to pass out, uh, I guess <laughs> I can't be picky. Yeah, I would love a greasy BLT. Hell yeah. Now, is that a, that, that's your southernness speaking out, obviously, but do they have those kind of, like, is the BLT a casual sandwich over there as it is over here? It's not a thing, but I make it. You can make it, yeah. yeah. You're not going to see it on any, like, deli. No, no. And if I'm in a hotel, I mean, they think I'm crazy, but they've got um, bread, they've got bacon, they've got lettuce, they got tomato, mayonnaise. They're, they're intrigued. They're like, who the hell just ordered a what? They want a what? What? <laughs> I know they got lettuce. I know they got bacon. I know they got bread. I know they got mayonnaise. Okay. So I think this is going to be a question that everyone's going to want to know the answer. Who's your mayonnaise of choice? Dukes. I knew it. (laughs) You and Mason, damn turkey and the wolf. Y'all put that shit on everything. Dukes mayonnaise, man. Honey, if you can't, I mean, you honestly can't make mayonnaise any better than that. Just buy it. It's just, it's just incredible. (laughs) Okay. I like it. I like it. I can snort that mayonnaise. Seriously. Just eat it from the jar. Please. Yeah, absolutely. Back to the question. I miss horseradish. Yeah, I would. If I could carry any, I miss horseradish. Talk about snorting things. Yeah, I could snort horseradish because nobody in Europe has horseradish. They think I'm crazy. I shouldn't say nobody, but it's not. They don't use it in the way I do. Right. (laughs) Like for my oysters in New Orleans, I've got uh, horseradish and a little bit of cocktail sauce. 
not yeah. the other way around. Hundred percent. I need my nose to burn. Yeah. Uh, if you ain't crying, right. you're doing it wrong. Are you ready <laughs> for the final question? This one's a big one. Okay. Not too big. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> okay. So this one we like to call the Last Supper. So it's you. You can have three okay. guests. They can be dead or alive, but no friends or family. Oh God. Who, who are you having at your Last Supper, and what are you eating? And just off the top of your head, just go for it. Uh, it's it's funny because whenever I hear someone ask that question to someone else, I always think, Wendy, you better have your answers ready. And now you've just done it to me. Um, it's a true sign that you haven't listened in any of our former episodes, Wendy, which is a true heartbreaker. Yeah. You would have known this was coming. Um, <laughs> Other people nail it. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Um, because as soon as you started at when I, when I realized where this question was going, I, I started smiling because I was picturing certain people, um, but they're friends. So you threw me. Uh, probably Quest Love would be one. Okay. Okay. I haven't met Quest Love officially yet because um, he's super intellectual. He's super curious. He's a musician and he loves food. He, and he, wrote, he, wrote the, he wrote the most amazing book. It's a hardcover book called Something to Food About, which is a strange title, but you know, that's that's just the way his brain flows. But it's a hardback book, and I bought it before I went to Europe on a trip. I literally had a highlighter out across the Atlantic writing in the margins. Like it's in a, and he profiles like chefs and restaurants around the United States. It's pretty cool. I think he'd be pretty rad to have at the table. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Probably, I don't know. I have to think about it. I, I do not have anything off the top of my head. Okay, well, what would you be eating? You got that part? I would probably have anything from the Bistro Paul Bear in Paris. So they've got a steak called a Cote de Boeuf, which means a, a side of beef, but it's a huge ass bone-in rib chop. It's about three inches thick slathered in butter with, um, and then they have a steak, a filet mignon that they uh, make a butter cognac and pepper sauce cream. And then you get hand cut French fries and you drag the French fries through the sauce and a, and a big bottle of Big Magnum, Big Magnum wine. Yeah, that, that'd be it. That sounds good to me. Yeah. Okay, since you didn't fully answer that, I do have to ask you this question. And I think we probably should have asked it earlier. What's the weed scene really look like over there? Like, is it as pretty as it is here in the States? Like, are the, I see some of like the sexy stuff from France on Instagram, but what's the casual weed consumption look like over there? I, you know, it's funny you say that. I honestly have never seen it, but I sure do smell it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Walking, walking down the street, you're just like, okay. And I'm looking around and I don't, you know, I know it's coming out of a window somewhere. Um, you know, uh, that's a question, uh, you know, I asked, uh, Action Bronson uh, was in Paris with us um, filming one of his shows, gosh, I guess about four years ago. And I know there was some oil involved. Yeah, wax. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I brought my own pins over when I came to visit, but it wasn't like anybody was like, you know, it looks like an e-cig in that instance, but we, we just ate our way through town, just rip roaring. I know, uh, I know uh, hash is a thing. Yeah. That's a big, that's a big thing. But I've never, I honestly cannot remember the last time I've seen it, but I sure do smell it. 
Well, Wendy, you were a fantastic guest today. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, before we leave, give a quick plug again to the website, to your Instagram page, and tell folks again when they can start expecting to see some of this TV content or these, your video content. Well, I can't, everyone keeps telling me they can't wait to see it. And I'm like, honey, after all this, me too. <laughs> Means it actually is happening. Um, so my website is my name, wendy-lynn.com. That's L-Y-N for those uh, listening at home. Wendy, W-E-N-D-Y dash L-Y-N.com. And it's there, but I've got city guides there with the city name on it, but they won't be updated, obviously, until I'm done with this trip. And then obviously on Instagram at Pyrrhus is my kitchen. And uh, that's about it for now. I've got, I got a lot of filming to do. I don't, I didn't even think about the platform where it's going. I'm just ready to get, I'm ready. You know what? I'm ready to get the show on the road. Yeah, well, by the time these people are listening to this episode, we'll be checking in with you this week as well, because you'll already be back in Europe. A week from today. No, ne- a week from next Tuesday. So or you'll be maybe in Brooklyn. A week from Tuesday, I will have just arrived in Copenhagen. See, look at that. So when you're listening <laughs> to this, that's exactly where they'll be. I'm so, I'm so ready. I've been, I've had a great time in the States, but you know that scene with Forrest Gump when he's running across the country? Just you're tired, you're ready to go home? Yeah, I just, I just all of a sudden the other day was working on stuff and I just took my glasses off and I just literally said out loud, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go home. Well, yeah. I, can't, I can't wait to come visit you, but we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day to join us today. I really do appreciate it. And we can't wait to talk to you again later this week in COVID. Well, Thanks for having me. And again, if you have reader, uh, your um, listeners have any questions, ask. I'm happy to share. Love it. I love it. Right, well, ciao, guys. See you soon. Awesome. Bye. Until next week, stay hungry, stay thirsty. Cheers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.